Welcome to Puck Talk CS. We got NHL preseason discussion coming your way. Travis and Steve, we got the report for the latest developments going on. Not too much. Uh, it's almost like the quiet before the storm. NHL season begins next week. Some final news updates uh, at the midweek point, seven days before puck drop. Next week, next Tuesday on October 11th, you'll have your first NHL games of the slated schedule. And right now, if you're a baseball fan, you're probably looking at the wild card weekend coming up. So I think a lot of people, it, it seems that our listings have been uh, down the last two weeks. And I think that's because between football and baseball, there's a lot of going on in sports and the NHL preseason isn't that important. And quite frankly, there aren't a lot of updates. Steve and I don't have a lot of updates, but there were a few uh, interesting developments over the last week that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. And a few, few good observations that I, I picked up on. I'm happy. Like I love it. Hockey starting baseball playoffs. Well, football's really kicking in now. I love it. Chives. I think that I've said this before. I think this is the best time of year. So let's do it. Chives. Let's talk some puck. John Tavares has an oblique injury, which is now from last week, so he he will be out for another two weeks. As the Maple Leafs captain, he's recorded 280 games, played 119 goals, 155 assists, and 274 points since 2018-2019 when he came over to the Maple Leafs. Pajama Boy signed the major contract that summer. Now, Steve, big development. Matt Barzal was just signed this afternoon to a mega contract. I believe it's eight years by nine million. I haven't even looked at all the details. Uh, Steve and I are running on pretty tight schedules this week. So we didn't really prep that much for this episode. And with that, on top of all things, I'm sitting in class and it's like my phone's blown up with Matt Barzal was signed to a major contract. I don't even know how to feel about it. I don't know how their contract, uh, you know, how their cap, salary cap hit looks like over the next few years but this was big news concerning the islanders lockdown their number one center until 2030 to 2031 so that season steve you have any thoughts on that yeah i think i like this i think i think it's a good move uh it's a good move for them uh because obviously when you take a look at it He's led the team in scoring and he's kind of been their main piece, if you want to say. You know, I think he, he's been good. He broke out in the league uh, a few years ago um, and he's led the team in scoring, uh, I, I think, almost every season since 2018, 2017, around there. But when you take a look at the Islanders last year, the whole team as a whole, this team had a horrible year last year. And I, of course, Barzell was no exception as well. He's coming off a down season. And I think, of course, and by his standards, I think when you when you take a look at Barzell's standards, he didn't meet it. And he hasn't, I'll be honest, he hasn't met those standards these last two, two years or so. He had a career year in goals last year. He did have a good year in assists, uh, a decent year. I don't want to say good, decent year. Um, but let's, we're fair here at Puck Talk. Let's give Barzell the benefit of the doubt his teammates were not playing well around him. So, you know, there's only so much one player could do. Um, the offense was an absolute hibernation last year, uh, in the, especially in the beginning half of the year. It was a tough year for them. So, of course, obviously, Barzell comes with plenty of playmaking, transition skills. Uh, I just think that he needs to challenge and we really need to see elite production from him this season i also think that he needs to sharpen up his defense as well because this team uh is not known as a highly defensive team um but 
I think a lot of people are optimistic about the Islanders this year. Are they eager to get back out there? Are they, we mentioned this on the last episode. They're ranked really high in a lot of rankings. And I know that both me and you don't really necessarily agree with this, but I think uh, Barzell is a start for them. I think he's definitely the main piece. If the Islanders are going to live up to these high standards this year, Barzell is definitely going to have to be the backbone of this team. A lot of the island has turned on Lulu Amarello and Barry Trotz was clearly fired this summer or he was relieved of his duties, Sad. I think all things considered, this is spitballing off the top. Like I have not thought about this situation. I'm speaking about it right now. Matt Barzal, I love his skating style. He's a knees over toes. Uh, more of an upright stance. He's a great playmaker. He's so good off the puck, but when he possesses, it's really difficult to knock him off. And he's able to make passes, little outlet passes from behind the net to his own teammates just to receive them back and playmake. He's a really good skater, really good skater. And I would actually disagree. I think the last few years, the trough system is a defensive system. Like, I think that has actually significantly cut down on Barstool's numbers. I think if he was playing with really solid or talented wingers, more you know, better wingers than Bavillier, who, I mean, yeah, was he a key piece when they were in their conference final pushes? Yes. Or Stanley Cup final pushes, really? Yes. But Anthony Bavillier's ceiling is not like it, when they were trying to bring in Artemi Panarin. You know, we talked about this on the podcast before. If Alex DeBrincat's on his wing, I'm sure his his assist totals go up maybe 15, 20 points alone. So I do think the defensive system has kind of forced Barzal to not play his game. And I think that he also doesn't have wing support. But if he's going to really remain there for the next eight years, I'd hope at some point there's a management shift and they can see that or they will already start to see that and try and have a structured bottom six that'll play that style, but maybe try and open the ice up a little bit more with a player like Barzal. So I think the contract for the Islanders is great because, you know, there were a lot of rumors thrown around that he might not stay and you take him out of the equation and they're a very mediocre team without him up front on the offensive side of the puck as the one C. So I think the contract's good, but then again, I haven't. I don't really know their contract situations. I know JG Pajo has a pretty big contract. I know Josh Bailey has kind of like a a contract that's a little higher than what his ceiling really is, like what he's being paid. So I'm not entirely sure what the contracts are looking like. I'm probably next week going to be really eager as soon as this episode comes out and I actually really get to look into things to be like, wait, actually, this is what I really think based on more information. I'm a big research guy, but that's what uh, was signed today. We'll see what happens. It doesn't even kick in. I don't think it kicks in this year. No, it's not even this year. It's next year. So, I mean, technically at this point next year, uh, or at this point next week, technically it's not not even going to matter, but I don't think, again, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, uh, I don't know specifically. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not an Islander analytical guy over here looking at the cap space, but I don't think their cap space is that bad. I don't think it's that bad. Definitely after this deal, it got getting a little bit tighter, but they had the room to get him. And I think, you know, out of all the 
you know, players that they currently have, I think, you know, he's one of the most important ones that you want to lock in. From my understanding, it's brutal. Like from my understanding, I think it's pretty bad because they signed some, some big contracts, but I, I guess we'll listen. Me and you will both have to look into that. Now, another player has kind of made a noise or another franchise. And this goes along with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another dog that was signed a big money a few years ago was rumored to be in the, you know, trading, uh, you know, in the trade rumor mill this summer, very similar way to Matt Barzal in terms of his production, his playmaking style, Mitch Marner. Okay. We all heard the news that they might test him at D-man. So here's where my thought comes in, Steve. I don't see a problem with it at all. I don't really know why this was a buzz. I've been on plenty of hockey teams. I've watched plenty of hockey games where they put out four forwards and one of the forwards is at the point. Like, I, I just couldn't believe that this was like people were frustrated and so like inside the box with the thinking that you can't put a really talented player at D. Like, they're not saying they're putting them out there when they're up three to two and it's it's the end of the game. They're saying when we need a goal, when we're down at the end yes. of the game. And yes, granted, he's such Mitch Marner's such a great skater. He's such like he's such a he just oozes talent. I don't see why he couldn't be an okay defenseman if they were in that situation. Like I think that your best skaters are defensemen. You're told that all through youth hockey, right? Like you're oh, you're really good. You're a really good skater. You know, you have a good IQ. We want to put you at defense. I I just don't see a problem in Mitch Marner. Like, I don't know why this was so groundbreaking. I actually think it's a very intelligent move. If Artemi Panarin was a little more rugged in New York, or if Matt, honestly, Matt Barzell is a perfect comparison. Like, if it's the end of the game and you think he's super talented and you want to try him at D, why not? He probably gets reps at D at certain points in practice. There are practices. The, the way they practice at elite levels is they're doing every single type of drill option with odd man rushes and such where – you're in a red jersey, maybe you're on defense for this play. Or maybe they're yeah. doing they're doing uh, plays where they're they're figuring out their breakouts or they're going through their systems. It's not uncommon. Like, this is common speak that yes. sometimes you're going to throw a player into a different position and it's fine. It's the same as – it's not the same as moving a winger to the center, but the center is responsible for a lot of defensive play too. So I just don't see how from the positional standpoint, like – why a player of that talent and skill set can't play defense. Steve, what's your take on that? Oh, I love your take. I 100% agree. And I think a lot of people, you just hit the home run here with the point. And a lot of people don't understand when this news breaks out. Now, obviously, you know, if you if you live under a rock and you don't see the full perspective, this is going to sound goofy as hell. But when you really break it down, this is really a logical one. This decision makes sense. I mean, when you take a guy like Marner and, you know, he plays he plays on the penalty often and he's a really responsible player with the puck in his own end, you know. So I think the idea of positionless hockey is not necessarily a new one. And I think that the, when you take a look at Toronto's situation right now, um, I think they're definitely going to have to, you know, 
move a lot of things around, especially after the Tavares injury. You know, this it's clear that the plan is going to be changing and it's going to be ever so shifting. And I think especially when you have a, a, a goalie experiment, that's what we called it on the on the uh, the burning questions. Um, it stuff might not go as planned. And listen. If you gotta move move people around, let's say you're let's say you're down a goal or two, just like you described it. Or if you're on the power play, why not move a guy like Martin? He's not playing defense every night, but you have to take a look at what's going on right now. And their defense is banged up. We are in the preseason, and they already have a handful of injuries that that is really going to be haunting them, especially on defensively. And this team is really. Really, really shaken up on defensively. You know, you have Muzzin out. He had a back injury. Uh, another handful of guys out. So I think this is really not going to hurt. I think the Leafs are very talented. They have genuine superstars on their roster. On their roster, and I think uh, Marner is somebody by the caliber like you described. He's so smart, and I think that the Leafs are one of these teams that could, you know, shift around and, 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 and play, uh, play around with the positioning that will benefit them. And I think that this is going to help. I think Marner being a right-handed shot uh, is also a benefit, you know, and I think, you know, he could play on the left side of the blue line. He could come up uh, when, and, and give a little bit of um, assistance uh, and try and really, elevate this offense uh, when they're trailing in games uh let's say they're going let's say they're down four or two early on in the season and and uh muzzin and a whole bunch of the other d- defenses out you know why not shift marner over i love it i i can't wait to see it you know i think if we could sh- shift more of this positionless hockey because uh, at the end of the day chives this is all that is you got to do what you got to do to win and i think this has the potential it's you're obviously not going to see this every night but in some situations i think this is more of a situational thing i think this is going to help having marner support the team on the back end in certain situations providing uh, offense uh, and he has defensive reliability, which is another thing that goes into a decision like this. I think this could work out. I think this really could flourish and become uh, a staple of this team's identity as the season goes on, especially with their goalie experiment uh, in net. Yeah, and I think uh, where a lot of that mindset comes from is that you look at the way teams like the LA Kings and Chicago Blackhawks had won the Stanley Cup. You had a lot of really talented two-way defensemen, but their emphasis, you know, when the games get tough, it's tough hockey on the defensive side of the puck. And you saw the shift of Dustin Bufflin from forward to defense, Brennan Burns from forward to defense. What's the common, what's the common trait there is that they're hulking men. They are large bodies. So their lack of foot speed is made up with the fact that they can take the body. Keandre Miller of the New York Rangers played, I believe he played forward all throughout the development system. And when they shifted him back to defense, it was because he was athletic and he was large and now he's succeeding. I think where the negative speak came from on the internet was that Mitch Marner's small, but my rebuttal is that a lot of the defensemen now that are really talented 
offensive defenseman, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, Camel Carr is pretty, a pretty big guy. Or, I mean, really, he's like a kid still, right? But a lot, a lot of the talented offensive defensemen are small, and they have extremely they're extremely good skaters. Quinn Hughes is a great example. He's a beautiful skater. He has great foot speed. So, so I think that that's kind of the direction Keith was thinking of and the Toronto's management. And I like it. I think it'll be cool. And I agree with you, Steve. I'd love to see it in a game. Oh, I can't wait. And I not only I, cause I think the Leafs are really one team that this could really work, but I like to see this all across uh, all across hockey. I mean, we've seen this kind of in other sports. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, they, they shift, got, uh, shift guys. I know the shift is being banned, but they shift guys defensively all around the field and we've seen it work very well. So if we, can, if we see more of this in hockey, I think that'd be really neat and, and really cool. You know, this is, you got to do what you got to do to win at the end of the day. And I think that this could definitely help. So I like the situational thinking um, from their perspective. Speaking, moving on to preseason chives, uh, Leafs, uh, they won last night. They beat the Montreal Canadiens, uh, and they looked pretty good. We saw William Nylander score a couple uh, goals. Alexander Kerfoot scored a couple goals, uh, and they they looked pretty good. I think all in all, they looked pretty good. We also got to see uh, Matt Murray in net, and he looked pretty well. He looked, he looked pretty decent, and the Leafs, one, I, I believe it was five to one and they kind of see, I know it's preseason and it's, and it's early on, but it's good to see, you know, players like Matt Murray coming out and getting his rhythm, getting his tempo and he looks pretty well. And it's going to be interesting to see um, as we ramp up closer to the season, uh, uh, how this is going to progress. I also know when we talked about with, when we talked to the curfew boys, you know, it was a question mark who uh, the Canadians were going to have in net this year. And it seems to be that Jake Allen, uh, he played um, in the game yesterday. He, it seems like he's going to be a big part uh, in net this year for the Montreal Canadiens. To speak on that, I think it's interesting because when Jake Allen lost his starting position, it wasn't really that he like wasn't doing well. The Blues as a collective – we're one of the last teams in the league in January 2019. And Jordan Bennington got hot. So I do think that Jake Allen could succeed. I think he, he's capable of succeeding in Montreal if he starts. Now, some observations I had around the preseason. Notice that Matty Beniers looks really ready. His shot is so nice. He has a really nice wrister. Uh, that's been on display. I think it's interesting to see Jimmy VC make his return to New York and make some noise. I think for the Devils, Jack Hughes looks like he's ready to go. I think for the Anaheim Ducks, Frankie Vitrano is getting his reps in with Zegris, which we called for the longest time. I think the Chicago Blackhawks have some promising prospects, and they look like they're uh, at least going to have – they're going to be fielding a team of young talent, and I think it's really they're trying to tank for Connor Bedard. Uh, because I don't see why Kane Taves, based on at least the preseason already looking at things like, I just can't imagine that they're going to tolerate this until the trade deadline. But they do have really good prospects. Like the future looks great. You're probably just going to lose two of your legends in Kane and Taves at some point. But I think the Canadians have also looked pretty good. I think Cole Caulfield, uh, he's already, he, he's been pretty hot in the preseason. I know, again, when we talk about preseason hockey, it's focusing on the development, right? It's not 
We know it's not about the wins and losses, but we also know that, yeah, teams that are not doing like that aren't going to be great during the regular season aren't going to be doing great in the preseason necessarily. We know that too, but it's about like, how are their prospects doing? Are they working on their strengths? Have they developed since last year? So I think that's really what we're looking at. And Steve, I know you have a few observations of your own around the league as well. And I, I think those were my takeaways. Some players I thought looked really good. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Blackhawks too. I think that they they looked pretty well. And I think that them and another team that I want to throw in there is, are, are the, uh, the Sharks, I think. Those are two really good examples of teams that have a lot of high-value prospects or high-potential prospects. And both of them have looked pretty well in the preseason so far. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, out of these two teams and it's going to be interesting to see watch it chives because we're gonna i guarantee you this is going to be a big point throughout the whole season kane and patrick kane is going to be he's going to be a big topic of conversation as we get closer towards that deadline he's definitely not going to tolerate this i'm telling you right now this is one of my points from the last episode but again Conversation for a different time. Uh, and I wanted to mention how um, I think I watched a little bit of the Flyers. I thought that Tony D looked really good. I, he looked energetic. He looked, he looked, a, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to say different, but there was just something watching him. I, I did catch uh, him in the game against the Islanders the other day. Um, he looked different than he did in the postseason last year with Carolina. And I think my point upon this is that he, again, he looked great. He really did. He scored a goal. Um, but I think Philly's got to figure out how to utilize him best. And I, and just watching the postseason last year, especially the series against the Rangers, uh, I really think that Carolina did not utilize Tony D'Angelo at all. Now, I don't, I don't really know if there was something going on. Uh, I mean, there was nothing officially confirmed. I, I don't know if, if, uh, if, you know, just playing the Rangers and, you know, I know he was beefing with uh, Gallant. Uh, I don't know if he was just stuck in his head, but he really was thrown off his game. Um, and he really just wasn't used. I think he's such a high value uh, target um, from uh, defensively. And I think that really, 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 he could really be utilized, you know, on the offensive push uh, and really be an offensive defenseman. And I don't think he was used fully to his capable last year in Carolina, especially in the playoffs. So I think he looked great in Philly. If Philly could really channel that and, and use him, I think, I think it's going to, he's going to fit in really well. You know, obviously we're not expecting crazy things for the flyers, but you know, we like, you know, we, we want every team to be in every game to be competitive. So why not? Also, I think the Oilers, uh, the Oilers have also looked pretty well. I think I brought up their defense in the last episode and we all know their defense is, is isn't where it, where they would want it to be. But it's coming, it's coming well up there, and, and they're getting their rhythm back, and it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and, and the Oilers completely destroyed the Canucks the other night, so I thought it was interesting to see a lot of their pieces come together, and, and they're looking good. So, again, like you mentioned, Charles, preseason, there's not all, you know, it's not about wins or losses. Nobody's playing for, you know, trying to come back and win games here. Again, it's just all about rhythms and getting your tempo back and making sure you're ready and up to speed when uh, in less than a week before opening night starts. 
Yeah, so here's my final few thoughts. Uh, Dylan Holloway looked great for the Oilers. He's really making a push to make a roster that includes Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, on top of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So if Holloway can enter in as a pretty solid rookie, like that just adds to the Oilers' depth. I think Brent Burns and Martin Natchez looked really good the other night in Carolina. They both scored two goals. That's a really good sign because I think the fear with Burns is that he's, you know, kind of his reputation right now is that he's on his back nine, like he's really almost on his way out, and he looked really good. So I think that just kind of solidifies that, yeah, they moved Tony D'Angelo, who also looked good in Philly. But as you stated, I don't think Tony D was utilized that one well his final season in Carolina. And I also think that Brent Burns, as I mentioned before, he's a bigger body. Like, I think they lack that. Slavin was really one of their bigger defensemen, and he's more of a tactical, like, uh, like an Ekholm type of, Matias Ekholm type of defenseman, like very stout. I mean, he's, Slavin is one of the best defensemen in the league. But solid two-way, just not like they don't have like a big body. I think Burns also fills that hole too. Uh, fills that big hitter, can, can deliver the big hit, can move the puck, has that offensive, uh, has the offensive capabilities. So I think that Brent Burns, solid pick, pick up. Uh, Martin Natchez had a really good game. Dylan Holloway had a really good game. And I think what's also interesting, you mentioned San Jose, is William Eklund could make the roster. He's a really talented playmaker. I would love to see William Eklund. He's great working off the boards in transition. He's smaller, but he's a great playmaker, has really nice hands uh, to set up his line mates. So I think Eklund would be a really nice pickup uh, for the Sharks heading into the season as he's like their number one prospect. So I think those were my other observations around the league. And as you mentioned, you know, it's a lot of prospects and how are they developing? Uh, and it's really nice to see the last crop of draftees. Like they could cl- crack the lineup. Like if you saw Cody glass today, he, um, the predators released a video of David Poyle uh, telling Cody glass that he made the team. Like he, he will be on the team this season and he cried. So I think it's really cool to see moments like that. And to see those like young players get the opportunity. It's turning into a very young league. Half the names we just mentioned are young players or players that needed like some sort of retribution. So I think those are really my thoughts from the preseason and we'll see if anything develops before opening night next week, but it's also going to be fun to see who makes rosters in, in, in that time. Yeah. I think uh, one more point I want to add is I thought the the Flames looked really well uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, they beat the they beat the Kraken. Um, that I did catch, and I thought they looked pretty well. It's also a good sign. I saw that Teneb scored, Coleman scored, uh, Kevin Rooney looked great. So I think aside from you know the losses that they lost, they're looking as great as ever. And you know some of the the secondary secondary guys out there are still piecing pieces together, you know, and even though it's the preseason, you know, they still look like they have that same pop and magic that they had last season. So I definitely think if they could replicate that this year and, and get off to a hot start and, and finish where they left off, I think, I think it would be great for them and re- re- would really benefit them as well. Yeah. And obviously there's always like news coming in, right as we're doing an episode so cam talbot suffered a broken rib at practice that's news right now (laughs) that kind of i wish we knew that before we recorded because i could talk about that um yeah and i think the other news too that i wanted to touch upon really quickly 
sorry to the curfew boys, but I haven't watched a lot of the Canadians at all. Uh, Reports, articles I've read also stating that Slavkovsky hasn't looked great, but there's also conflicting reports of that because then there have been uh, kind of breakout player rankings and top rankings for players to come in for the Calder more recently, as we talked about last week. And he's like the number one first year. Um, Also, this was my last thought, last thought of the day. Kent Johnson, who we talked about playing with Goudreau and Line, is playing with Goudreau and Line. He might be my lock for the Calder. Like, Kent Johnson's such a talented player. He played at Michigan last year. Now he's got the opportunity to play with Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Line. I would pencil him in. I know I talked about that last week, but that's my final thought from the preseason. Wow, the, the, the Talbot thing is is not a good thing for the for the Senators at all. Um, obviously, they, have, they still have an Anton Forsberg. In the mix, so it's not like they don't have anybody, but even you know, the way hockey works is that for the first three weeks of the season, you know, you don't start your goalie every single night. You know, you'd like to get your backup in there a, a quality amount of games. Um, so listen, I mean, Forsberg's gonna have his work cut out, especially after you know, both of us have called. Yeah, uh, an interesting year for the Senators. So, I mean, that that definitely does not help at all. So, hopefully, we'll see how that works. But that might be a tough tough start to the season for Ottawa. All right. Well, that just wraps wraps us up here in Puck Talks. Yes, less than one week to the start of the regular season. We got a couple of great games starting up next week. Make sure to go back onto our website and listen to all of our previews for every single NHL team. We still have some coming out, but most of them will be up before the start of the NHL season. So go back and listen to every single one or just your team, teams you're interested, teams that you want to know more about, what our opinion is. We have videos out on all NHL teams. So check that out. And always remember, it's just the luck of the puck. Thank you.